This is Show and Sleeves, and you are listening to the Alex Cast. Oh, hey guys. Sorry, I didn't see you come in because you didn't and this is all artifice. Uh, my name is Alex and I'm the host of a little podcast called The Alex Cast. Wild guess what show you're listening to. That's right. Welcome to What the Fuck with Mark Marin. Lock the gates. Cat ranch, etc. I am here tonight to talk to you about the various wonders that go on in my life from everything encompassing God, I'm just going to die now. Anyway, uh, yes, so welcome to the Alex cast. Tonight I have a show chock full of things to tell you about. <laughs> you can see I'm stalling already. I just didn't know how to transition to this. So tonight, uh, or early, earlier today, I recorded a guest spot on the Higher Side Chats, which was a very fun thing. Greg and his sometimes co-host Kyle treated me with grace and a plum. And I was very happy to go on. So I think that comes out probably 10 days from now-ish. I'll remind you next week if I remember. Let's face it, I'm not going to remember to remind you. But maybe in some kind of universe where you remember, you'll remind me. Maybe we could listen to that song together. You know that one. There's always something there to remind. Yeah, it's a good song. Stop, really. I don't even know why I'm talking about it. Welcome to the Alex cast. Yes. So I was on uh, the Higher Side Chats. The reason I bring that up is uh, is twofold. One, follow him on Twitter at Higher Side Chats, uh, like the old Fireside Chats, but with high. And uh, two, go to iTunes and subscribe to his show. If you want to, rate and review it in a positive way. Subscribe, rate, and review to this show. I'm assuming you subscribed to it already because you're listening. But uh, rating and reviewing is very important because it boosts my ranking and it would boost Greg's ranking in the rankings because that's the way people talk. So anyway, I was on there and we talked about, covered a wide range of uh, esoterica, kind of focusing on the occult. We did, um, uh, I did a, we finished up with a tarot reading, uh, talked about Crowley a little bit. I retold the story of getting in contact with Sekhmet, which we've talked about on the show about two episodes ago. Uh, what else did we touch on? We did, at some point we started talking about the uh, JPL labs. So I guess we talked about Nazis. Why did we talk about Nazis? Because I referenced swastikas. Why did I talk about swastikas? Sigil making. I talked about chaos magic and imbuing um, sigils with magical power, which was cool. I'm not going to go into that now because I want you guys to listen to that show when it comes out, but I thought that was fun. But here's a couple of um, observations I had on going on the higher side chats because, I mean, it, podcasts aren't one of those things where you can really figure out um, 
who listens, you know, how many people listen or whatever. But I'm going to assume he's got a bigger audience than me, just judging by the amount of, like I've heard, you know, he's got a t-shirt company called Conspiracies, and I, I know I've seen quite a few people wearing them. So I would assume that those quite a few people would translate to listenership. So anyway, in my head, uh, one is he's got a bigger audience. Two is, you know, I'm kind of nervous going on a show that one, I've never been on before. And two, I kind of think is frankly better than mine. Um, we do very different shows. Uh, I mean, although the topics do overlap at times, but he's much more of a professional kind of broadcaster style while I may turn on the mic and yap into it style. And it was interesting to be there as kind of a guest of, what would you say? Like a guest of, uh, I don't know how you'd, a, um, a, uh, a guest of guesting guestersons of guestopolis of the zeitgeist of guestuted on this of guest articulation of guest to guest guest i mean a dude that actually knows what he's talking about which obviously after that little display of flirtation i don't an expert in the field i the reason i just stammered there is i didn't want to say expert because that's not really that anyway i was there talking about the occult and talking about tarot and i gave a tarot reading at the end so here's the thing that i noticed i suck at plugging i didn't take this show for me to realize that but it's yet again another show where it's an hour into it where I realized, um, I think I said my name. I certainly didn't say the name of my website and I didn't say the name of the book or the podcast, which at one point we did have a little section where that happened. And Greg gave me a nice intro where that was referenced, but still it's one of those things where, come on, Alex, you must be better at that. I suck at talking and yet I corrected their co-host on how you pronounce Crowley. That was rude of me. I didn't do it in a shitty way. I actually did it in kind of a... Uh, kind of a self-defacing kind of way of, uh, I said, uh, you know, just because I'm kind of uh, anal about certain things, I just want to say his name is Crowley, not Crowley. Because um, there's a poem that Crowley wrote, is that my name is Crowley. Uh, my friends call me Crowley because they think I'm holy. Uh, my enemies call me Crowley because they think I'm, wait, my friends call me Crowley because they think I'm holy. My friends call me Crowley because they treat me, because they want me I don't remember it. And I forgot it on their show too. But the point is, why would I correct somebody in pronunciation? I can't pronounce shit. I still don't know how Trismegistus is supposed to be pronounced for Hermes Trismegistus, which was referenced on the show. Um, I forgot Moksha, the concept in uh, Hindu mythology, which actually I ended up coming up with it. So a bit of a save. But either way, like what a shitty thing to do. And hopefully it didn't come across as too asinine, but I was thinking like, what a, what a, what a dick thing. Um, the only reason I did it is because... I think kind of somewhere in my head, I felt like I've not established myself as an expert in any way that even though I just kind of said, I don't want to be referred to as an expert, but that I guess I just wanted to reference the fact that I've read enough Crowley that I knew a little rhyming poem. And then I felt bad. So I actually pawned off that rhyming poem thing on saying I heard uh, Lon Milo Duquette talk about it, who we've talked about him on the show before the, uh, he did that great series, Sexual Alchemy and the Thoth Tarot deck. Um, yeah, it's a really good um, video series. It's on YouTube if you want to watch it. But anyway, that was something that, that uh, stuck out. Um, I was retelling the Sekhmet story, and it it's my pausing to try to figure out how to word something well came across as distracted to them. And I realized that that's something I have to work on because that's embarrassing. And good Christ, do I curse too much. Uh I know he swears on that show, but I was just using it casually 
And that's not the proper way to do things. You shouldn't just throw cussing about. But I did. Because I'm a man that's shitty with words. And I think saying fucking uh, somehow gives it extra emphasis. Which it does, but that's a shitty kind of extra emphasis. Um, yeah. I should also stop saying um. But I said that there as a kind of pregnant pause. Because I was trying to figure out how much that cursing thing was shitty. Same thing shitty now, but I'm on my show, so, you know, fuck shit, fuck shit. What's what's other swears? Ass isn't a swear anymore, right? Um, oh, cunt. Uh, I don't really use that word anyway. Um, yeah, that's all the swears I can think of. I'm not very inventive. So anyway, I suck at words and I'm a novelist, so there we go. Uh, did I have any, any other thoughts on going on that show? Uh, no, I think that might have been it. Yeah, it was just, it was a weird experience. It was very cool. Like, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I think it probably will come out fine. It was one of those, just, I, I was overthinking it a little bit. And I don't know that, yeah, I don't know. That's about it. Yeah, I think it's more the plugging thing that kind of, I just feel like I don't come across as professional, which of course I don't, because I'm not very professional. But how do I do that while still, I don't want to act like somebody else. You know, I don't want to come across as some kind of, some kind of stiff, you know, it's, yeah, it's a weird kind of line to draw. Cause if you listen to, and uh, not just his show, his show is not even a great example of it, but like any kind of paranormal 14 esoteric show and actually really any show is when you have guests that aren't your friends on, uh, not to say enemies, but just, you know, people you're not like kind of on a, in a casual relationship with, there's the, they kind of just go back. The main point is, you know, and uh, that's when I found out the ringing stones in South America actually were related to stones found in the Mataplaya. So I thought, as referenced in my first book, Ring Stones of the Gods, available through Zabobza Press, I thought this is, a, you know, how they kind of keep going back to the point of reference book, reference book, or you can find all that information on alexcast.com, which I did get out once, and then... um I kind of stammered through the Alex's spell with two X's thing because that's so stupid. And I think Alex counts with one X is already taken. So did that make any sense? The idea is it just, it's weird for me to plug and I'm not natural at it because I just, it's hard for me to accept my place as a guest. Like it's hard for me to not think I just faked my way on a show. Um, I've had enough people tell me Periphery is good. Uh, actually, had a dude today. I'm going to give him a shout-out. Let me bring this up. This is off the off the fly. Somebody said something very nice on Twitter. Uh, somebody that I've never spoken to on Twitter before. Oh, that's a lot. Maybe I think he said one thing to me before and I responded, but hold on. This is what I read this morning. It's me. I'm singing songs and no one notices that I'm wasting time. Black Knight Satellite. Here we go. At altered underscore one, uh, one spelled one, O N E, you know, altered underscore one, O N E. So he wrote, finally finished Periphery by at the Alex Cast. I recommend it to all my friends with perception, fictional, or corporeal. I am more complete. That's a fucking nice thing to say. Thank you, altered one. Uh, so I've had a lot of really good feedback from it. I've had quite a few people come back and say, kind of, the reading of the book is not necessarily changed. And that's probably the first one that says change, but, or complete, but, um, 
has affected them in kind of weird ways where the the world of the book has started to seep into their lives. Uh, we've talked about it on the show before. There's a little subplot in the book. It's not even a plot. There's just a thing in the book that uh, our lead character keeps running into, uh, or, you know, probably explicitly stated twice, maybe three times, little plastic orange dinosaurs that he notices just, you know, sitting in a, in a gutter on a sidewalk or whatever. And after a few of my friends have read it, people have been finding their own plastic dinosaurs. Uh, we're up to um, one, two, three, I think we're up to four right now. People that have found, after reading the book, random plastic dinosaurs. So. But uh, other people have come back to me to say, like, this kind of peripheral awareness kind of thing that I talk about in the book has started to kind of seep into their life and they're, you know, kind of seeing things. That's That sounds like I'm fucking like I'm crazy that's that came out wrong what I more mean is uh they've I guess uh attenuated to an appreciation of the things that exist in the peripheral peripheral awareness section of your brain because that's the way humans speak so but all that being said I'm still not I'm still I still have a hard time thinking that oh you know what that I'm worthy of a guest spot on a show based on, on the book, like that I'm, um, and tonight we have on the show author, Alex Boland or, uh, author and occultist, Alex Boland. No one, he doesn't talk like the voice I'm doing there. So I don't know where that's coming from. I guess I'm channeling some kind of newscaster entity from a different space time plane, um, that introduces authors named Alex Boland. Be a very boring space-time plane. But anyway, yeah, it's weird to come on in that kind of role. And it's a role that I'm fine with playing. You know, as I said, people like the book. I do know a shitload about the occult. I, you know, I know a bunch about, you know, just kind of esoteric 14 topics. I know a bunch about alternate histories. You know, I'm versed in this stuff. I'm fine with doing it. It's just, I still have a hard time kind of getting my head around the fact that this is a that this is a, that this is not me tricking people. I mean, I guess that's the whole thing. I guess uh, the great Ron Bennington from the Ron Fed show says, uh, the world's made up of carnies and rubes. And I've always thought of myself as a carny. I, I've always, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not like looking for marks on the midway and just kind of like eyeing somebody up and, you know, seeing how I can get them to, you know, spend 20 bucks in a game of thrown hoops at our fucking ring and you know and then they win a fucking 25 cent cupid to all step right up i don't mean that i just mean the carny is the one that can see the mark it doesn't matter if you're preying on them and i guess i've always kind of thought of myself in a bit of a carny way when, I think, when it comes down to carnies and rubes and i don't know i guess i just i just find it i just in the back of my head i feel like i've kind of faked my way onto things but i suppose that's the way everybody feels or not everybody, that's a stupid statement, but I suppose that's a natural feeling of, you know, that you're faking your way through stuff. You know, I still have that kind of permanent concept of, you know, I'm 33 and I certainly don't feel like I'm an adult, which is strange because, um, well, I was going to say physically my best years are behind me, which is probably true, but not like so true that it's something that would be taken. Like, 
I work out pretty regularly or at least exercise workout seems to have a different connotation. I eat well, like I'm losing weight. I'm, you know, so I think, you know, there could be, there's a many good years left, but you know, it's not like a, you know, it's not like I'm some 18 year old that's just walking around just, you know, sweating hair follicles and cum, you know, it's, oh, that was gross. What a, what a horrible fucking picture. I'm sorry. I said that to you guys. Ugh. That actually completely distracted me. Ew, Alex, why would you... Ew, that was gross. Anyway, um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. The point is, I don't feel like an adult. I don't feel like... Not that I'm even agreeing with these statements. It's just my natural default default position is I'm not, uh, you know, one to be tapped as a guest host. You know, a, a, a guest of, you know, an expert guest. But, I mean, I suppose because I can fit that role and because I can do it, I guess that means it's true. You know, that kind of fake it till you make it kind of thing. I don't mean faking it. I just read all the bunch of books. Anyway, um, I went on the higher side chats and it was fun. So that'll come out uh, reasonably soon. And I hope that you guys listen to it because uh, Greg's a cool dude and I hope uh, he does well. He's taken that big plunge of, uh, if, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't, I think he said it's been 47 days since he quit his day job. And, you know, and devoted full time to the t-shirt company and the podcast and then, you know, other projects that he's referenced. So good for him. I mean, that's the dream, you know, that's badass giving up day job and then doing this kind of shit full time. It's fucking cool. I would do it in a heartbeat, Uh, not in a heartbeat because I'm in horrible amounts of debt and there's no way this would ever pay for my life. But if somehow it did heartbeat heart like andy kaufman as a robot heart beeps uh we have a couple of things that i have planned i have a, another edition of thomas the brit sending in stuff about britain i made a promise to one of my lovely lovely listeners that i would read a poem of mine from when i was in high school or you know young and, um, and, uh, I'm trying to figure out which, cause they're both terrible. Not the Thomas, wait, that sounded bad to Thomas. I, pardon me, at Thomas Kale, uh, Thomas spelled like Thomas, uh, K-A-Y-L-L. Um, I meant horrible in that my, my response to it would be a stammering mess. And then the, the poetry would just be bad. I think probably, I think probably finishing in the poetry is best. Yeah. Oh, so here's something I found. There's no actual reality. That's the big secret, the big mistake. It's all perturbations and fields, propagating waves of probability. That's a fucking good way to word the nature of reality. There is no actual reality. That's the big secret, the big mistake. It's all perturbations and fields, propagating waves of probability. Very cool. I like it very much. Okay, so I guess we'll do the um, Thomas's English muffins thing that he sent in, and yeah, uh, it's it, yeah, it's not the best name ever, but you know, this wasn't really a planned out thing. This was, um, you know, what this was? This was uh, this was something we we're joking around about, and I like the idea of the segment. And, you know, we probably could have given it a little bit more time thinking about the name, but yeah, so it goes. Please, let's listen to Mr. Thomas Kale at Thomas Kale on the Twitter. 
Hello, and welcome to Tom's English Muffins, episode 3. The land of the free and the home of the brave. But is this really how the British people view the United States of America and its citizens? To find out, I asked several of my friends to say one thing that they felt summed up the American people as best as possible. Please know that these do largely play to stereotypes, and we don't think that you're all drunk obese fools who live in trailer parks. Unsurprisingly, perhaps, top of the list was America's love of food. That's right, food came up several times when describing Americans, from a love of red meat to supersizing anything and everything where possible. It's not just food that came up, though. As we noted that your beer is terrible, and one would probably be better off drinking straight from a puddle than attempting to seek refreshment from one of your so-called beers. Language was the next biggie. You don't appear to have as many different accents as we do in the UK, but this might just be because we're not Americans. We can tell if someone is from the Deep South, that stereotypical Southern drawl that we all know and love. But apart from that, it can be rather difficult. Everyone sounds similar. Blame Hollywood. Blame TV. It's what I do. You can't spell. That's right, you can't spell. You take our language and you ruin it by removing vowels and changing the spelling of words. We don't care if you have your own dictionary. We invented the language. It's ours. Don't change it. You're wrong. Also, if you say, I could care less about something, then you could care less. What you probably mean to say is, I couldn't care less. It wasn't all bad, though. We admire the American dream and the belief that anyone can achieve greatness through hard work. It may or may not be true, but it's certainly a nice dream to have. In fact, in the 1980s, Margaret Thatcher called for more home ownership of the individual, creating a miniature American dream of our own. Though it may seem a little harsh, these are mostly stereotypes that we use to view Americans, and we view America through sweeping generalisations, most likely as you do for the British people. Don't get me wrong, we like Americans. I like Americans. I think your stand-up comedians are far superior to most British comedians, and the Americans that I interact with are all nice people. To be honest, none of you really tick the boxes of what we set up above. But still, that's just how we like to view you. Until next time, when we begin our journey through English cuisine, I'm Thomas Kale. Sleep well, America. Thank you, Thomas, for contributing that fine segment. I would just like to um, respond to some of the points made. A love of food, red meat, large portions, supersized stuff. Me, yeah, I got no argument for that. Where we are, a rather fat bunch of slobs. I would say this, though, uh, England, from what I've seen of, and of course I've not been there because I'm American and I don't leave, but um, England, from what I've seen of, uh, you know, uh, when they have a still shot of, you know, downtown London or something, um, I think the average fatness in, in, in England is probably, is probably more than America. Now, we have much fatter people. I mean, that would be absurd for me to say otherwise. We, we often see three to 400 pound people. It's really quite disgusting. However... I think the, what you would say, the average, if you take away the outliers, if you take away, let's say, the um, the thinnest of the thin and the fattest of the fat, I think that that, um, that middle area of the average person, I think I think the Brits are doughier. Um, I, there's probably some, like, national health statistics that'll prove me wrong, but this is just judging by what I'm looking at on, on television and whatnot. It seems, um, yeah, it seems to be that there's a... Um, yeah, doughiness, that's the best way to put it, but you're absolutely right, yet we are, uh, if you if you don't take away those outliers, oh good god, are we a fat fucking nation, um, 
Yes. And keep in mind, when I say, uh, when I'm speaking about the English or the British or the UKians, uh, I, I am a fat fuck myself. Uh, not one of those trailer park giant fat people, but I am uh, quite a stout fellow. So I'm not trying to put myself above uh, you. I'm just trying to kind of view the, the norm. Bad beer. Uh, I don't know what your beer is like, but uh, yes, the beer that you would be aware of from the States is terrible. However, America kind of, uh, not kind of, America invented uh, microbreweries. Um, maybe not invented like the first one or whatever, but uh, the culture started here. It's quite popular in Canada as well now. Uh, essentially, it's incredibly well-crafted, well-nuanced uh, craft beer. It's uh, And they're distributed all over the states. Uh, in Portland, where I live, Portland, Oregon, is, uh, is, is a hub of one of these. Colorado is one, uh, as well as uh, Washington and California. And there's an East Coast contingent as well, uh, Vermont. Uh, I think New York's got quite a few. But anyway, these are... Um, essentially the best beers available on the planet. They are delightful and wonderful. They're, uh, there's almost like, uh, almost like a wine culture built up around it. Though I actually give the beer culture more legitimacy than the wine culture because, uh, the wine culture has repeatedly done that experiment where you put a, um, a bottle of, um, shitty red wine or, you know, a $10 red wine in a bottle, uh, for a $400 red wine. And, uh, the, uh, so-called connoisseurs, uh, think that it's the $400 variant because they are tricked into it. Um, beer is so much more of a strong flavor. I mean, that's, that's a stupid way to put it, but there's the, the, uh, the notes are much more uh, apparent that, uh, the subtlety in craft beer is, is really cool and, you know, runs, runs the gamut. So, um, yes, our beer, as far as you're aware is shitty, but, uh, our beer is much better than yours. Uh, when you go into the craft beer, style but that doesn't help when you just go into a random bar especially if you guys are coming here uh, uh, going to touristy places yeah our beer is terrible uh, so i have i kind of agree with this point while disagreeing with this point um i think yeah i've got no analogy for it but yeah uh as far as this is almost like taking away the outliers uh with the fat example yeah if you if you compare you know budweiser or um um I don't know what other beers are famous outside of the States. Uh, what other beers would you guys have heard of? Coors, maybe? Um, I can't think of any other like big beers. But anyway, the point is, yes, uh, uh, shitty beer. Language. Uh, you guys are idiots, and I can't, I can't uh, explain this m more often. Um, we, we are great at spelling. Language changes. It's fluid. It flows. It's that's the point of it. If you spoke or wrote the language you speak right now that you so pridefully are calling English to someone from Chaucer's era or even uh, even just the the nineteenth century, you would look like a dribbling fool, and you they would say things like "You've ruined our language. How dare you!" And then go back further, and the Angles, and all the people that we took the language from previously, and I say we because we all took the language together, would think that we've ruined their language. Uh, one of the great things about English is that it is a mongrel language that evolves. We have roots, that's why it's very hard to learn. We have roots ranging from, we, we have Greek suffixes on Latinate words, Latinate suffixes on Greek words. There's the argument with octopi, octo is a Greek for eight, 
double I ending or I ending to denote pluralization. It's a Latinate thing. It's which is why Octopodes technically is correct. Thank you, QI. One of the many things that I like about England. Um, the language thing is ridiculous. Here's another thing. That whole 40 and favorite and whatever, not 40, 40 is where I'm going with this, but favorite and um, the thing where you have that you that Americans don't use. The fact that you spell 40 the same way as us means you guys are shitheads and should shut the fuck up. If you don't spell it F-O-U-R-T-Y, you're not allowed to complain because that's the way that word should be spelled. The fact that we spell it this way, I think it's still pretty stupid, but at least we drop the U's from all the other words. The fact that you have 40 with no U and you're still spelling favorite with a U? Oh, fuck you, fuckstick. No. Unacceptable. We didn't fuck up the language. We refined it. And, to be fair, we're all going to hate those people that are speaking that weird pidgin uh, Chinese English where uh, it's, you know, it's like essentially you braid runner. Um, so let's just gang together and realize that we have a common enemy and it's Asia. Less accents. No, that's just because of TV. We, we probably have uh, more accents than you if... Um, I can't say that. Maybe the same. I don't actually know how many accents you have because I was thinking when I said more than you, I was thinking um, I was thinking just England. But um, yeah, with the UK, it's probably the same because the South there's actually uh, very distinct dialects of what you would refer to as the. I think you called it Southern drawl. There is a Southern drawl, which is that kind of Savannah kind of slow drawl out drawl, and then there's the yuck. We're from the South. We're really up and high and look, your fucker sister. And there's the um, kind of. Uh, the Creole, I'll tell you what, like, they'll come down with salt, weird, calls me for the good, the um, pigeon Creole language uh, that's in, in New Orleans, or Nolans, as, as they would say it. They wouldn't say it like that. They'd pronounce it properly, but that's my attempt. Um, uh, if Tyler listens to the episode, with my daughter, that's an inside joke for one person that's probably not going to hear the show. Um, yeah, so the South has, uh, the, the, the accents within the South are disparate. Uh, the Texas accent is very different from Georgia, which is, uh, very different from Tennessee. Well, Tennessee and Georgia aren't that different, but the point is, uh, the reason that you're hearing so few languages, uh, so few, uh, accents is because of, because of movies and television. I thought the same thing about, uh, England, and I guess I should say the UK. And again, going back to QI, uh, uh, quite interesting with Stephen Fry and uh, Alan Davies. Uh, I've talked to him on the show before. I, I'm enamored with Stephen Fry. I love that man. Uh, I think other than the gay thing and the nose, as I grow older, the more I can be like him, the better my life will be. And uh, I mean, just incredibly intelligent, witty, great guy, uh, and then suffers with manic depression. It's, it's you know, he's, he's, he's older, better me. Um, older, better, gayer me. Uh, but what was I going with that? Oh, anyway, so watching, I got I got obsessed with that show, and so they have a lot of. It's for people who've never seen a QI is a is a uh, panel show on the BBC, which essentially the the idea is Stephen Fry is the host, and Alan Davis is his um, co host, kind of a uh, uh, monkey friend, <laughs> and it's a. Uh, it's a trivia show, but the point of the show is that the trivia is so terrifically difficult that there's no uh, there's no way to get the answers correct. I mean, occasionally people do, but the point is that it's supposed to be that you answer something that's quite interesting or you come up with an anecdote related or blah, 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 and you're penalized for answering things that would be the kind of obvious answer that would be like, you know, why would you ask the question on a show like this where the questions are supposed to be impossibly hard? You give the easy answer, therefore. Uh, the, the example today I was using, uh, I learned from QI, which is... Um, 
the local f- uh, women's football club in Portland is the um, the Portland uh, Thorns Football Club, FC, and named such because we are the Rose City in, in Portland, Oregon. But uh, as learned on QI, that uh, roses don't have thorns. Uh, they have prickles. They're a different thing completely. Uh, thorns, I guess, are part of like a, a branch structure, and prickles are something about a stem. The point is, on that show, if you said, what is this, and you showed a picture of what's obviously a fucking rose thorn, you said rose thorn, you would get penalized for the points. That's what QI is. The reason I bring it up is because going on there, I've realized that the the breadth of accent that's available in England and in the UK is, uh, one, a lot of it's lost on me because I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. It's hard for me to figure out what the, what the, what the actual, what the English natural is in, in America, I refer to it as, as newscaster speak, which I don't have, but I'm reasonably close to it. I, I still have, I have quite a few words I mispronounce, but I don't have, I don't have a terrifically thick accent as far as America. I mean, obviously I have an American accent too, the English listening and everywhere else in the world listening, but, um, I don't know what the, what, you know, I guess the newscaster English would sound like, um, I heard, overheard uh, our friend, uh, he's been on this show before, uh, Eden, uh, Eden uh, Penkith, I think. Oh, I forgot his name. Anyway, Monkey Magic Eden, Monkey Magic Eden on Twitter. Um, he was referencing that he has the uh, kind of, I guess, uh, standard um, British uh, accent, which that's kind of the one I picture when I, when I think of, uh, I shouldn't say British accent, English accent. That's when I picture when I, when I try to think of the standard one, but, uh, um, I like the one Stephen Fry has, which I guess there's a similarity, but his is a little bit more, I don't know, erudite or something. But the point is, um, I didn't know about the various accents of, of England until I watched that show. And yeah, there's, there's quite a few, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to say America's probably got more, um, unless there's, Oh, you know what? Okay, assuming Scotland, and I'm going with the whole UK, because I think Scotland's part of it. Um, it is. Assuming Scotland only has one accent. There's a Scottish accent if there's not like a North... Oh, fuck it. Let's give Scotland two accents. I'm going to give... I'm going to give Ireland three accents, so we're at five. Um, there's Wales. makes Welsh accent is six. Then there's um, English, poshy English, kind of hoodlum English. Um kind of that northern english um i heard you guys do a farmer accent so we're at about 10 right now and let's just say i'm gonna throw in five more just for the fuck of it so 15 uh america has let's see alaska's got its own accent um washington state has an accent ish but uh well okay i'm gonna give that two because i'm gonna get washington state and idaho together uh oregon yeah, their accent is actually kind of, our accent is kind of like Washington. California has two accents. There's three. Northern California has a distinct accent, kind of that LA accent and then kind of Southern accent, uh, Southern California. Texas has two, uh, New Orleans, the rest of Louisiana, and there's two there. And then Tennessee, Georgia. Oh, Mississippi. Florida has an eh, Florida is just kind of that generalized South. Uh, North Carolina has a bit of an accent. Oh, West Virginia has a definite accent. That's like um, 
New Jersey has an accent. New York has four, uh, maybe five, because there's Brooklyn, Bronx, kind of standard Manhattan, upstate. Connecticut, is, I'll just put that in with New York. Massachusetts has an accent. Maine has an accent. Yeah, I'm already at like 20. Yeah, no, we, we're, yeah, we destroy you. Yeah, there's way, way more. Um, um, unless, whatever, who gives a fuck? The point is, yeah, there's, there's a lot of accents in the States. Uh, let's see. Um, I could care less. Actually, that's not just an American thing. Uh, we're much looser with language than, than the English, from what I can tell, at least the English that make it onto Twitter and TV shows. But, um, I've actually heard an English person use, I could care less. Uh, it's a, it's an annoyance of mine too. It's, I couldn't care less. That's the point of it is that you disdain it so much is that you, there's literally no more level below the amount you don't care. So I could not care less means this is literally the least amount I could care. This is, this is nil. This is a, so yeah. Um, uh, so I got that. Um, Let's see. American dream, hard work. Well, that's nice of you guys. Uh, I don't know if we believe that anymore. Uh, 80s Thatcher. I thought Thatcher like kind of ruined your whole country. Uh, at least again, I know this from QI and panel shows. So, but I thought the joke was that she kind of turned into like a kind of fascist thing. Um, let's see. And that, oh, uh, stand-up comedy. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but that's only because we kind of invented stand-up comedy. Um, the, we, uh, Jews came here and Jews are the people that invented funny. So they, uh, yeah. So stand-up comedy? Yes. Uh, and don't give me some shit about who invented it or whatever. I'm just saying the popularized form of it coming from the vaudevillian Jewish tradition coast or America. Uh, yeah. Our stand-up is, is yeah, exponentially better than yours. You do have uh, quite a few funny stand-ups. Again, going through QI, there's there, but there's still a little bit on the kind of hacky kind of bits. Um, it's almost, uh, I don't know if an English person would understand this reference, but it's almost like the difference between like a, like a Opie and Anthony or, or a podcast kind of laid back fun radio style radio show. And those kind of morning shows with, uh, we, we would call them morning zoos with like, you know, and here's Tom with the wacky horn. Wacka, wacka. Oh, you know, hey, last night I was with the old lady. And we're, you know, that kind of hacky. There's still a little kind of sniff of that in the stand up out there, but it's still quite good. Uh, I love, um, uh, Oh God, I'm spacing on his name, but I think he's goddamn hilarious. Uh, oh, real kind of, his character is a bit of a sleaze bag. He's always on QI. Jimmy Carr. Jimmy Carr, is, his standup is quite good. Um, I also like, um, who is the, the one who wears a dress? Uh, the, um, Eddie Izzard or Eddie Izzard. He's, he's fucking brilliant. Uh, I've heard that Ricky Gervais is good, but I liked, I got into Ricky Gervais before he was doing stand up. He started as, you know, as a writer, you know, he did The Office and all that, all that shit. But um, I saw his first stand up special. I thought it was okay, but it was still a little kind of um, uh, early. Like, it, because he was famous before he did the stand up, I think he kind of, you know, he kind of a victim of his own success. So I thought there was like a little bit of, you know, there were some hitches there. But uh, I don't, I also don't really think he's all that funny, but I thought he did a good job on stage on his jokes. I mean, it was, it was well-constructed set. I just, that uncomfortable kind of cringy humor. I just don't, I don't find it funny in this stage of my life. So I just, um, pretty much anything from the office with, um, you know, his character. I just, there's, I don't find that humor funny anymore, but that's me. Like literally that's, I can't blame Ricky for that, but yeah, stand up comedy. Yeah. Um, 
I think you're um, like, like QI and because of the BBC, you're kind of panel comedy, uh, that style of like, cause I mean, essentially the, the kind of precursors to podcasts kind of was this BBC thing. I mean, your shows are all just the same seven comedians going on each other's show, um, which is what podcasts turned into. So, uh, I think your kind of entertainment value is better that way. Definitely. Um, yeah. And that's about it. Your movies are kind of shit. Uh, I mean, every now and again, you make a good one, but yeah, Hollywood kind of destroys it, but that's not, that's not a country thing. There's just more money because again, not taking out the outliers because, uh, America makes, I mean, exponentially more shitty movies than, than all of Europe combined because we just make exponentially more movies than all of Europe combined. So, but, uh, yeah, England's made a few. France has made, actually, yeah, I like French film better than English. But anyway, point is, there's no point. And I've been hearing, anytime I talk about this, yeah, you guys reference were nice. Uh, Stephen Fry actually talked about this. Yeah, I suppose we are. Um, there's a, yeah, there is a certain kind of strain of niceness. It's weird because I think of Americans as kind of assholes. But, yeah, I think there is a kind of strange open-hearted niceness that we bring about and I don't know why that is because we are kind of dickheads myself included and I try to be a decent person but uh yeah we can be asses so I'm not entirely sure about that so maybe maybe you you to use your term maybe you lot are just really bad like you're just you're essentially all just tiny little British Hitlers I'm not entirely sure but we'll, we'll figure it out I would like to come visit sometime after this speech so you can all jump me uh in a in an alley stab me with a, uh, some kind of screwdriver, um, which is called something. I don't know though. Uh, yeah. What do we think about England? Uh, we don't, sorry. <laughs> uh, I do. Cause I like, uh, I like English culture. I, I like the comedy again. I like QI. Um, I keep harping on that, but that's the exact kind of, that kind of, that line between essentially Stephen is the, that line between erudite and 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 um complete fool is is what i find fun and what i find interesting i i enjoy that style because that's there in a lot of british stuff and not a lot but it's, it's it's i can't put my finger on it but it's a um it's almost an ability to like on a comedy show not be funny which that sounds weird, but I mean that in like the most complimentary way, like, like my show and I'm not, I'm not comparing my show to QI or, or anything good, but I'm fine with, I'll do an entire episode where there's not a single attempt at a joke or not even a joke, any kind of levity. I'm fine with that it, it, because I think, you know, the breadth of a human is, is much wider than just putting it in a corner. And, um, I think, yeah, the, the English do that well, but that's me saying this. So what Americans think is, God, it's hard to tell. I don't even know what Americans think about us. Uh, I don't really talk to a lot of like what you would think of, of average Americans. Like, I don't think I even know a single person that's like, um, like a strident. Oh no, no, I, I, I was going to say strident, like believer in God, but actually now I think about it, I do know a few Christians, like, like pretty devout Christians. Uh, I would say, okay, let's put it this way of the stereotypes that you think we have, and that, that teeth thing is all on you. I've, I've never heard an American refer to that. That's that, like Britain's having British having bad teeth. Like maybe those like in the seventies or something like back when like Polish jokes were being said still. But, uh, in my lifetime, the only references I've ever heard of British people having bad teeth are British people making reference to the fact that everybody thinks they have bad teeth. And, um, 
Oh, and the Austin Powers movie, but I think again that's a self-reference. Um uh let's see. I know Thomas, you're doing this thing next week, but yeah, I think we we all think your food is terrible. Um what else? Yeah, I don't I mean the thing about the states is that two things. One, it's really fucking big. So when I was trying to think of how many accents we have, I just realized like I could, that's like a, this tumbling mass of like, Oh shit. You know, um, it's, I, I could easily get to, you know, probably more than the States we have of just like this tumbling mass of stuff. Like, you know, you've kind of forget, I, I often forget just how vast this fucking country is. You know? Um, so I think a, a lot of American stuff is that we don't really think of Europe in that way, at least not the Europe of like the friendly countries. Like, I, I, you know, I think like, like England, like, oh, that's, you know, um, that's where London is, you know, it's just like, oh, they're like our friends. It's just, you know, that's like, oh, that's older brother England. Like it's, you know, we're, we're you know, they, they parents got divorced and, you know, we moved out, but like, you know, it's still, you know, family, you know, Hey, what's going on guys? We got, you know, I don't, I don't really think there's like a lot. I mean, I think the, the main stuff about Europe and in, in the American consciousness is, um, for some reason, people really like making fun of the French, uh, I think English, England does that as well, but, um, yeah, we will make fun of the French for being, um, uh, having poor hygiene and, um, being, uh, uh, surrendering often during war, um, the cheese eating surrender monkeys, as the great, uh, Willie said on the Simpsons. As far as, let's see, Scottish, we yeah, haggis and bagpipes, uh, fried Mars bar, you might hear, but I don't think America really knows about that. Um, Irish is, you know, is watch Conan O'Brien when he does the, and he dances around. That's pretty close to what we think about Irish, but, um, for some reason people in Boston really like be, being Irish, even though they're not Irish, they're, you know, of Irish stock or whatever. Um, n no one in this country knows anything about whales. Uh, in fact, before I started watching QI and like listen to a lot, and I listened to a lot of British pod, uh, podcasts, BBC podcasts, I don't think I knew that the Welsh were the people from Wales. I think I probably assumed those were two different things. Um, I don't, yeah, I think really just, um, I think we're confused by your queen and the whole monarchy thing while you still have that. Um, but for me to speak on that, I'm more confused about Canada, because I I notice Canada sticks up for for England a lot, especially with speech stuff. Where it's Canada, like what are you doing? Like you're like you you're fucking you have one foot in one world and one foot in the other. Like join us, be American or be British. Don't don't kind of muck about in both worlds. Take a stand, Canada. I like Canada a lot. I do. If I if it wasn't so fucking cold, I would have moved there because they have healthcare. Um. That's, yeah, that's another thing. Um, we don't have healthcare here and it's really bad. It's, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Like I have to like, yeah, it's really bad. Um, it's, it's super expensive. And theoretically, when you can afford healthcare, when you can afford like good doctors, like all the good doctors in the world are here, not all of them, but, um, like a lot of the top surgeons are here and, um, Germany as well. I mean, there's a bunch of other countries that do it as well, but like, uh, like heart stuff. And like, apparently like America's quite good at like the, like for rich people, this would be a really good country to get sick in. Um, which has nothing to do with me. What else do we think about Britain? Um, yeah, I don't, I mean, honestly, that's about it. I don't, 
what other what other stereotypes are there British? Uh, yeah, I'm confused by why you drive on that side of the road. Because uh, I found out recently, or at least I, somebody told me recently that the rest, like most of Europe, drives on the side that America drives on, right? So I don't know why you'd be the one to do that. But also, I can't really, I can't, I can't bitch at you guys about that because we still have the fucking old stupid empirical uh, or imperial measurements, uh, miles and and that that shit. Because I, I'm very annoyed because I would like to know a uh, metric, but it's it's um it's like impossible to learn as an adult and in this country because you never see it. It's there. You don't see kilometers anywhere. Um, yeah. But on that note, don't make fun of us with the fucking, that we don't have kilometers in the metric system. Cause you fuck still use stone. And I've heard you say miles before I've heard you and you use fucking Fahrenheit when it's hot out, which actually I think now that I think about it, I think I stole that line from QI, but if it's like a hundred degrees, like Fahrenheit, you're like, Oh, it's a hundred degrees. It's, you know, hot as hell. But if it's, um, or maybe it's the other way. The point is, I've heard you use Fahrenheit and Celsius. You can't have it both ways. Same as I'm, I'm talking to Canada and I'm talking to England. So um, by that, I mean, yeah, so Americans don't really think of it. Uh, I think Americans think of it's like there's Europe. Uh, France uh, is like the one, you know, England and France, Scotland and Ireland. Those are the ones we kind of know. Um, I don't think anybody knows anything about Spain in this country. Um I know we're aware of Amsterdam, but I think most of us think of Amsterdam as just the place where pot is. That's about it. I actually don't really know where, like, technically the bounds of Europe end. But, yeah, we're not, uh, that's one of the stereotypes that you guys should really pick on more because it's super accurate is, yeah, we don't know shit about the rest of the world. It's, it's Europe, um, terrorist areas, um where the black people are from Russia, um, China, North, South Korea, Vietnam. And yeah, I think, yeah, I think we know the difference between Japan and China and then Australia. Oh, oh, and we know where India is, but none of the outlying countries. And I don't think we know that India is so close to Pakistan. And that's about it. That's the world map, according to Americans. And that's the gone honest truth. Oh, and of course, we know Canada and, and Mexico. We're very familiar with those. We know the thing in the middle, that little middle bit is Panama, because there's a canal. And there's a very famous song about uh, the Panama Canal and and digging uh, tracks on it that for some reason we had to learn when we were in uh, young school. <clears throat> and then there's Antarctica. And that's about it. So that's what America thinks of the rest of the world. Uh, please get that stereotype going better. Cause that's completely accurate. We, we know fucking, we know fuck all about the rest of the world. Um, most of us don't speak another language in this country. We have a smattering of, of Spanish, which actually that one you can't really blame us for. Cause again, country is fucking vast. So where I live, I would have to go about I don't know, probably 1,500 miles or so to get to another country, to get to a country that speaks another language, maybe 2,000 miles. You guys, I mean, 2,000 miles from England, you can get to like every language. I mean, so it's it's a little bit, uh, the, the onus of, of, of linguistics is a little bit different in Europe where, I mean... Um, What's that thing? The channel? Is that the one that goes to France? Like, 
yeah, we, we, we can get to Mexico in that one little stretch, you know, Texas there. And then the, 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 uh, Quebecois in, in Canada where they speak French, which I think I pronounced that right. I was very proud of myself. Um, so yeah, don't make fun of us with that, but yeah, we don't know anything about the rest of the world. So focus on that. Um, remember that our, yes, the popular beer is shitty, but the microbrews are, are delicious and probably the best, in, you know, pretty much the best in the world. Um, the accents thing you're fine with, because I mean, honestly, until very recently, I didn't know the breadth of, uh, the British accent thing. Oh, um, also the way that you guys do a farmer voice is very different from the way we do one. You guys, uh, uh do like a piratey voice and our farmer is more like a, you know, like a he hee like, Hey y'all, let's go down and pick some cotton, you know? Um, well yours is like an early, I'm not doing it cause I don't, but it sounds like a pirate to me. Um, but that's, that's a, um, that's a thing that's got nothing to do with it. Okay. So I'm moving on, but thank you, Thomas, for writing, uh, for writing in. Thank you, Thomas, for writing in with your voice. And, uh, next week he said he's doing English food or British food. And I would like to say this, I figured out what my problem with crumpet versus English muffin was. He said, cause I was trying to figure out why everybody was disagreeing with me that crumpets and English muffins are essentially the same fucking thing. And I figured it out. And one, I was being quite, uh, hyperbolic when I said, uh, um, that they were the same thing. I more meant they're of a similar ilk is that where I grew up, I, I liked a crumpet when I was growing up is, uh, is this, is that if you get a, uh, inferior quality of English muffin, like the ones we bought from, uh, you know, a store brand and you get the, um, which I mean, inevitably any store brand in the United States for a crumpet is going to be quite shitty. The shittiness of the, the, the lack of crispy, delicious kind of, um, um, toasty goodness of the English muffin moves down kind of into the soggy scale a little bit, or like a more moister, more moist, more moist thing. And while the crumpet moves from kind of a, it's crumpety state up into like a little bit more of a stale kind of state and somewhere between the two in, in both their shitty forms, moving one way from one way to the other exists this kind of center area in which they're both terrible, but they taste very similar. And that is, I think why my confusion so, um, I was not trying to say that a freshly baked, uh, from, from someone's, uh, uh, someone's home oven, uh, crumpet, uh, though I don't think they're baked. I think they're pan fried, but either way, freshly made crumpet and a freshly made English muffin, uh, would have anything to do with each other in their fresh, delightful form. No, I'm referring to shitty, uh, store-bought, store-bought kind. <laughs> store-bought. Oh, that's what we think of, um, what we just call everything Sweden is bork, 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 eat a fruit, shivered. Um, that's Sweden, Norway, um, Iceland, Greenland, pretty much anywhere where death metal comes from that's we, that we think it's the Swedish chef. And that is that. So yeah. So for food next time, uh, Thomas, I'm looking forward to it. I just wanted to explain my crumpet, uh, Thomas's English muffin confusion. And, um, yeah, that's about it. There's no, I can't think of another English food I actually like. Uh, I mean, other than the ones that like just, you know. Um, I mean, stereotypically English. I like a scone. Yeah, scone's pretty good. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, okay, well, we'll, I'll talk about it next week. (sighs) You may have noticed my vacillation in this. No, fine. I, um, I've read shitty poems on the show before. Uh, I've read theoretically good poems on the show before. Uh, yeah. So in high school, 
my writing style. And by the way, this is, this is testimony, testimony. This is evidence to how much I care about my listeners and one listener in general that I'm putting myself out like this. So in high school, I wrote poems, poetry. I went to college, I went to university. Well, in America, we say went to a university for poetry. That's what I got my degree in. When I was in high school, I wrote in a, a slathered on just imagery soaked gross style. It was as if, it was as if Nick Cave vomited on a copy of the Divine Comedy and then handed it off to Peter Murphy of Bauhaus. And then somehow we introduce, oh, and then, and then uh, it was rolled in the sick of Edgar Allan Poe. Um, as he was in the gutter, um, dying. So I said rolled in the sick there because I've been thinking about England. We don't use that term, uh, sick being, we would say vomit or, uh, anyway, again, vacillating. So I told someone I would read a shitty poem and I will. And this is the poem that was a, there was, there was two or three that were the, um, in the highlight poems of my high school career. It was uh, this one, which is called Poetry and Liquid Philosophy, which is a drug metaphor for, um, yeah. Oh, God. The other one's called Madonna and Whore, playing across the, you know, women in literature are uh, either portrayed as Madonna or a Whore, and there's no uh, in-between period, which uh, also embarrassing. And there was a third one, which I don't remember. These are the ones that were in my senior year uh, literary poetry magazine or whatever. Uh, yeah. There's earlier ones that I was trying to find. I don't know where those are. They're, I mean, I know where they are, but I, I, they're somewhere on a disc. Um, I actually may have lost it, to tell the truth. I have them in paper form in a, in a file folder. And there's one on there called Vampire which is an ode to the razor I used to cut myself with when I was a freshman in high school, which may be, I, I mean, I don't remember what the actual poem sounds like, but I mean, judging from the title and my, my memory of that is, um, it might be the worst thing ever. It's up there on the list. Um, I think the first line of that was like destruction, my love. Um, yeah, I was, I was, um, I was dramatic. So, yeah. Anyway, I said that I would read a poem. And I, so, yeah, this is from uh, 1998. Uh, um, or no, 1998-1990. I graduated high school in 1999. Um, much like the robot that I am, class of 1999, which is a shitty sci-fi movie. Um how many more things can I say that isn't this? So, yeah, this is, um, it's not the worst poem ever. It is, however, um, you know how, like, Flan has that level of sweet where it, it, when you swallow it, it almost feels like 
your innards are, are being converted into some kind of crystalline form where you're actually turning in to a kind of crystal sugar substance where you're not actually tasting anything anymore. You've turned into sugar where you've crossed the boundary where this could possibly be enjoyable to a level of just that's all there is and you need to press your way through. Um, this this is like that, but with um, words. So this is poetry in liquid philosophy. Okay. This is really bad. I take back what I said that it's not that bad. It's really bad. I was just trying to psych myself up. It's, it, it's, it's not really bad in the, it's just, like if I were a teacher of senior year, um, poetry and somebody handed this in, I would say, you know, oh, this, this shows a lot of potential, um, you know, um, uh, or, or you know, this is very well done for, you know, because you're essentially, you're an idiot when you're, when you're 17 or 18 years old, you're, you're a drooling fool. Um, so I, um, so on that level, yeah, but unfortunately I'm not an English teacher, uh, right now. I'm also not an 18 year old right now. I am a 33 year old man that's reading this with the eyes of a 33 year old and, and, and I'm cringing. So anyway, let the cringe commence poetry and liquid philosophy. I ran into a friend the other day. She was sick. I am sick. We walked together, emaciated in body and soul. I met a friend the other day, horny for a needle. I ran for her, thirsting for the poetry. Flecks of death, annoyances and lighted symphonies. I'm a part of God and apart from God. Alliteration and the plastic metaphors. I am simply a tab on the tongue of Jesus. I met an old friend the other day. We walked hand in sickly hand, two skeletal remains mocking humanity, and she's hungry for a needle. We walked to a funeral, staring at the solidified black specters hunched over in a grievous circle, lamenting the loss of their dear, sweet child. The shadows flickering in and out of existence, moving towards the edge of the blackened group. A verbal farce cast towards the solidified darkness. To dust we must return, lies from the Father. A lair of dusted good to cover the filth and depravity. A long and arthritic finger points at the fading dealers who killed her boy. We left the funeral, horny for a needle, dirtied by dogma. Soon the philosophy did flow. Stigmatic answer. Jesus Christ, this is so fucking sorry. I <clears throat> that's one of the worst lines I've ever read in anything. <clears throat> so I'll repeat it. Soon the philosophy did flow. Stigmatic arms, the gods are waiting. Walked with a friend yesterday, obscenities in motion, black silhouettes on a gray stained wall. Hand in hand we wandered into the unknown. Blackness surrounds one vomit-colored streetlight cutting through the darkness like a sordid scalpel. Two wastes of flesh walked into the pollution street sunset today, hand in venous hand, to infect some new landscape with their poison. Hunger is life, God is laughing, sexes and needles, darkness sets. I lost a friend today, I carried her to her heroin-soaked pond, water swallowing her stick figure form. I lost my friend today, poem in hand she sank, memorial to my little atrocity, 
A tear cuts through the dirt on my face, and I know it's time to leave. I walk alone today, hungry for my friend, obsequious to a needle, a pathetic shaking fetus lost in a dank and dirtied alley, broken and alone. I remember walking with a friend, gross aberrations of humanity we were, to walk again, dirty and offensive in heaven, no longer hungry, just translucent visions for the amusement of some sardonic god. We will walk again that day, dirt cleaned, muddied only by our scars, and remembrances of a poem sunk by a needle, two black-clad skeletons, poetry in liquid philosophy. Um, there's a lot of adjectives in that. Um, let's just, uh, let's, let's just, let's just hurt me a little bit here. Um, if I said dark or black one more time, I was going to punch myself in the face. And I'm not even that person anymore. I have almost no relation to the person that wrote this poem, except for the fact that we share a name and I still have a file. Um, if I said needle one more time, I, I was going to punch myself in the face. Reading that out loud to you was difficult for a number of reasons, one of which, paramount of which, is when I read a poem to a crowd, I haven't done an, I haven't done, a, you see how successful I was, I was about to say I haven't done an open mic in a while, it shows the heights of uh, the poetry reading that I've done, but I haven't done one in a while, but I do recall, and I've done it on the show before, where as I'm reading, I will uh, kind of uh, on the spot copy correct things, realizing that the difference between reading something and reading something aloud, sometimes there's a little bit of a change in flavor, change in tone, a change in um, cadence. Uh, it's very hard to read this and not try to correct myself. Uh, the back of my head screaming, oh God, please, no, oh, you're saying it again, oh, no, and because it's, it would be easy to fix some of it I, I, while reading, like, I would just not read that line, and, and, and I, yeah, so, um, that was, that was, that was bad. So, that was a, a terrible poem. Uh, from, uh, and again, here's another thing. Write what you know. I'm not a, a, a well, not I'm, pardon me, I, I was just speaking with my 18-year-old mouth and this would be confusing. That person was not a heroin addict at all. I realize the, the, the slathered, thick milieu of, 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 of metaphor we're going for here in which uh, heroin is a reference to uh, philosophy or philosophy a reference to heroin and uh, mainlining new ideas. Okay, I get the, I get the metaphor uh, young Alex was going for. However, um, you you weren't a heroin addict, so it, it's just it rings false. Uh, write what you know is not a is not a thing where it has to be a hundred percent. I mean, I I wrote a book where there's um there's there's trees that 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 eat fucking sentient fucking animals and. And, and there's a world that exists out of the side of your eyeballs. Um, so, you know, I don't know those things, but I've, I've lived a life where I, I've, I've developed enough, um, per, you know, perspective to allow myself in this flight of fancy. However, uh, in a world where heroin exists and good poetry exists, this uh, has no um, business being there. Um, this is the line that might be the worst thing ever. I don't remember if this is the one I stopped on. Um, no, I stopped on a different one because that was really bad too. But um, 
uh, this. <clears throat> Blackness surrounds one vomit-colored streetlight cutting through the darkness like a sordid scalpel. W really? Um, here's, okay, here's the problem. Um, streetlight cutting through darkness like a scalpel. Although a well-worn uh, kind of, yeah, I would go so far as to say cliche to use a knife term for light cutting through dark. Forgiving the cliche, did we really need the streetlight to be vomit-colored? And did we really need the scalpel to be sorted? Um, I, it, would that, I mean, am, am, am I 18-year-old Alex? Um, am I 18-year-old Alex? Wait, no, I had gone through puberty 18. I don't know why I did that voice. Um, 18-year-old Alex, was, was I trying to say that the, the cut pattern on a, on a scalpel that has been uh, treated poorly and does not have the cutting edge that it used to because of its sorted state uh, would would leave a different uh, pattern of cut in the in the light form. Why would it be sorted? I know why I said it because I use the fuck out of adjectives in this. The other one terrible. Um, uh, uh, I, I am simply a tab on the tongue of Jesus. That's really bad. Uh, um, I, I mean, I, obviously it's a tab of acid. Um, but what does that mean? Uh, I don't, I don't, wh why, what would a tab on Jesus's tongue mean? Why would I be that? And why would that be simple? Uh, the only, there was one line I actually liked, not even though it wasn't a line I liked, there was some phrase I liked, um, plastic metaphors. The, of this entire thing, I thought a plastic metaphor was fine. Not exactly original, but I was like, oh, that's a fun phrase. The rest, <sighs> um, yeah. So, that is that. Um, well, since my dick's out, I'll do the other one. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I forgot what this one was about. Well, since it's the Alex cast, let's just, I'll read it and then I'll explain why uh, my change of tone, because as we know in this world, I am a man that can uh, go from uh, amusing to annoyed to bored to heartbroken back to amusing to um, some kind of Eeyore, Tigger, uh, Chimera state in which I am bouncing the, uh, through uh, the walls of humanity whilst um, saying uh, harumph and oh bother. Um, the Tigger and Eeyore uh, analogy actually came from a poem I wrote in high school as well, because I uh, would I describe myself back then as a as a uh, some kind of combination of Tigger and Eeyore, or um, the other one I used was a as like a Pez dispenser with cyanide caplets in it, or um, a cyanide caplet uh, with uh, with delicious Pez inside. Some you know you can see the you know, my my nascent view of um, yeah. So this is this is the other one. This is Madonna and whore, and I won't I won't um, give this one as big of a beating because it's um, it's much quicker and um, it's not as horrible. It's it's pretty horrible, but um, reading it after that first one, it's it's much less horrible. So uh, Madonna and whore, tattered vision of bulimic humanity. Her voice, a vomit marred wail of pain and redemption. Heart only palpable as a scar on the wrist. Mind. A chaotic fountain of arterial release. Raven hair slick with sanguine rebirth. She sits, a sketch in her mind's notebook. 
blinded and distorted by self-loathing. Legs engraved with memories of lost grace and bloody annulments, wrists, all razors and knives. Her soul burdened with an ethereal blight. She is the stripper. She is the idol. Mothering the Lord in a mind filled with cryptic symbols of hatred. I sit and watch as the sickle of her being splits me, spilling forth the light of God and redemption. And she stands, a catalyst to the demons inside. She is the third trumpeter, and she is the plaguing voice. Degradation and integrity, deserving prayer, receiving spite. She is the singer, she is the hater, she is the virgin mother, taking down Christ in one blood-filled wretch. The raven goddess stands, silently pleading for someone to awaken her, and fulfill the prophecy she felt so long ago, one lonely night burning with humanity and bloody sickle. And bloody sickle, that's a weird end. Need a Huh. Need a Need an A and A bloody sickle, right? And bloody sickle? I wonder if I lost part of that. Oh well. Anyway, um here's the horrible on this one. One apparently I use the term vomit in every poem I wrote in 1999. Mm. Um Raven-haired goddess is I mean before I before I found this, if someone said, "Hey, Alex, make up like a really cheesy, gothy line for a poem," like let's write it, let's write the world's shittiest goth poem, I would have come up with a line like "raven-haired goddess," uh, to um, to to make fun of uh, the 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 idea of writing a goth poem. Um, yeah, and that is that. The rest of it is kind of okay. I forgot how into God it was back then. Um, I was going through a thing where I was desperately trying to be Christian um, towards the end of my high school, early college career, because I was raised Catholic and I had uh, I uh, hated uh, uh, being Catholic, and it had left me with this uh, psychic weight of the idea that when I die I'm going to be uh, thrown into a fire which burns but does not consume, uh, which is horrible, horrible to tell a child. It's it's um, it's it's it is child abuse. It's honestly. If you have a child that's imaginative and in any way intelligent, um, you should never tell uh, him or her that, in this case, uh, me, him, because um, I can picture that of uh, burning eternally. Not the word eternally, but, you know, the, fire, the flames which, uh, you know, burn but do not consume. Um, I can picture that and it, it, it haunted me. It still sort of does on some deep, deep, tiny little moat at the, at the interior of my existence. And uh, this was, uh, so I'd, I'd done, uh, this is where I first started my practice in Buddhism. Uh, this is, uh, going back to referencing being on the higher side chats earlier, uh, this is where I got my first tower deck. In fact, the tower deck that's sitting on my table right now was sitting on a different table in Oakland, in New Jersey, when this, uh, this poem was being written. That same, that self-same tower deck. That raven-haired tarot deck with razors, bloody, blood, blood razors, and raven and dark and darkness razors. So, uh, yeah, I was obsessed with God, and I was trying to, I wasn't trying to be Christian, I was trying to find, it was the way that I'd kind of given up to try to, I wanted some way to kind of soothe, uh, I wanted the panacea, I wanted some way to stop the, the, the picture of horrible of that eternal burning. And, um, and it wasn't so much me, I remember one point I, I was kind of, uh, uh, I approached my girlfriend about this, because, uh, Long story short, there was this guy, Nick, that sort of talked me into being Christian for about a week. And um, it wasn't that easy. To, I mean, it was pretty easy to talk me into it because I, like, really wanted to be. And he was a really cool dude. Actually, he did heroin. But um, 
I was more afraid for like the chick I was going out with because I was you know desperately in love with her uh, and you know the first kind of real love, not like childhood puppy kind of love, like actual like real grown up adult love. You know, like um, if if I was a slightly different person, could have readily you know gotten married that kind of love. But um, I was I was afraid for her uh, to burn eternally, so I kind of got tricked. So anyway, the idea is uh, I was obsessed with uh, with God, but I forgot how fucking often I I referenced it. Jesus Christ, literally Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, that's a really bad ending to a poem. But yeah, there's a couple good lines in there, actually. Um, uh, 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 third trumpeter and plaguing voice. That's pretty good. Um, there was another one I liked, too. Uh, wrists, all razors and knives, which that sounds, I mean, maybe it sounds familiar because I wrote it when I was, you know, th that many years ago. But I like that line enough to think that maybe I stole that from somewhere. Um, her soul burned, burdened with an ethereal, ethereal blight. I don't know what the burdened is really awkward. Ethereal blight. Um, if I didn't steal that from somewhere, that's good. Um, and the uh, kind of repetition of the, she is the, the, she is the, the, she is the, the break that line up. And then it's, uh, she stands, um, oh, I didn't really even, she is a third. Yeah. So that kind of, she is, she is break up. She is, she is, there's a, there's a neat little, um, tonal kind of repetition, which, uh, it's not bad for, uh, you know, somebody at seven, you know, eight, 17, 18 years old writing, but, um. Yeah. The reason I paused before they completely forgot that, um, uh, so, uh, uh, heart, uh, only palpable as a scar on the wrist is, uh, a direct reference from, uh, if you recall, uh, a few episodes ago, uh, that I, I kind of give a bit of a, a, a eulogy to my friend, uh, who was dead, uh, from back then. And she was the one, um, that had a little, uh, heart scar on her wrist. And I forgot about that till that very moment. But to show you the power and the, the power of catharsis of saying things out loud, you hear my voice. I'm saying in a strong and happy tone. I have a, I now have a happy little memory of a scar on the wrist. I mean, not happy, but much less upset memory because I admitted to you guys the pain I still have for friend lost. And now we can share, uh, we can share the memory of her in a really, um, I'm going to say that one was just the first, the poetry in liquid philosophy I was going to say is going to, is really, really shitty. Um, the Madonna horror I'm going to say is, uh, passably mediocre. Uh, uh, it's tough to tell because I'm not 18 anymore. Yeah. I'll, I'll say, no, I'll just say that's just regular shitty. Just plain shitty. Yeah. Shitty to mediocre. The other one's really, really shitty. That's shitty to mediocre. And, uh, yeah, that's that. So, Fun times. We're done. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. I will, um, I'll talk to you guys about other things next week. Uh, I might have a guest on Wednesday. Uh, uh, the, right now we're scheduled to have the great Matt Latore come back and we're going to talk about the website he made. Uh, but last time he was on, he makes reference. He collects, um, uh, pulp science fiction covers by this one artist or maybe by multiple artists. I'm not actually sure, but, um, he has a website devoted to one of them. I'll put the links in the show notes because I don't remember it off the top of my head. You know, actually, we'll just talk about it next week because I don't, actually, I don't even know how to get the link. But uh, on Wednesday, hopefully he'll stop by. I'll talk about that. So that'll be cool. Um, uh, yeah, the ads will be in the front of the thing. Uh, no, the standard ad with him. So we don't do that. So, uh, yeah, reminder, go to alexcast.com, Alex Bob with two X's. And click, uh, if you click the Audible thing, you get a free audiobook. Uh, I get money. Click the Amazon link before you buy stuff on Amazon. I get a small percentage. You don't pay anything extra. Uh, and there's links to my books on there, uh, uh, Periphery and The Void Sutras. 
Lloyd Sutra's chock full of poetry that is exponentially better than the garbage you just heard. You'll be shocked to hear how much of a better writer I, I became from the ages of 18 to um, however fucking old I was when I was writing the shit from the Void Sutras. Uh, and uh, Periphery is the novel I wrote. It's uh, an occult work of fiction. It is delightful. Uh, the reviews are positive. I want you guys to read it. So read it. Love it. Uh, it's like five bucks on Kindle. Um, and the, the paper copy is like, um, if you have a memory on Prime, the paper copy is like eleven seventy. I think. Some weird amount. I think it's 13 bucks about Prime. Whatever. It's cheap. Just buy it. It's cheap. Cheap. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm at the Alex Cast on Twitter. Um, uh, Facebook.com slash Alex Cast. Uh, just, you know, find shit. Go to AlexCast.com and click around. That's the main thing. And uh, yeah, that is... Yeah, okay, we're good. Okay, cool. Uh, I will talk to you very, very soon. I have been Alex, you have been the audience, and this has been a pen. My friends call me Crowley because they think I'm holy. My enemies call me Crowley because they wish to treat me foully.